It's such a blessing to be here and to be lifted up by them. I hope that you get a chance to go back and re-listen to some of these songs on YouTube. It's just such a blessing to, to hear these words and to let them just wash over us uh, during this time. I'm so thankful for all the work that they put in to bless us each week. I just want to give a special welcome to everyone who is joining us today. If you're here for the first time or the 46th time or so, because we've been live streaming for almost a year, thank you for joining us and welcome, especially over the last few weeks, We've been getting to know uh, some people who've been watching for a little while and just in the last few weeks, they feel like, oh, I want to connect with this church more and actually say that I'm here. So thank you for those of you who have done that. And we just encourage you, if you're uh, participating with us, let us know. You can send me an email, brian with a y at glendale.church. We'd love to connect with you and just get to know uh, your story a little bit. As Austin mentioned, we are super excited to be launching our Bible study uh, for the, uh, the spring time. We're going to be looking at the book of Exodus. So join us on our YouTube channel. You can find it uh, right here. Dr. Justin Smith and I will be looking at the book of Exodus at 7.15. And then on Zoom, we'll have our prayer time uh, together. And that's just time for us to center our hearts uh, and our minds on God, which is desperately needed, I know, for all of us right now. I wanted to comment on something that I don't know if it's going to show up or not, but I have this little tattoo here um, from my son Carter's birthday party yesterday, a little family birthday party we have. You might not even really be able to see it, but I wanted you to let you know, like, I don't have a real tattoo yet. When I do get one, I will let you know, and I'll flex and show it to you uh, when, when I actually do get a, a tattoo. But I got this one, and it's, it's temporary. Happy birthday, Carter. It was a, a Mario-themed birthday party, and they chose. Carter chose and Nora chose me as Bowser, which, I mean, if the shoe fits, where I don't know what this says about me. I'm still trying to process that a little bit. And they say in preaching school, don't work out your junk live on camera. So I just, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but I was very happy to play the role of of Bowser uh, yesterday. We're continuing in our series called Fresh Hope, looking at 1 John, which is toward the back of your Bible. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2 in just a minute. But I hope that as you are reading this, this book, that you're just challenged by the words that are there. I know it is, is such a, a challenge for me to think about and to process the kind of life that John is calling us to. It's John, the disciple of Jesus writing, who wrote the gospel of John. And I think he's continuing to challenge our thoughts and our minds on what it means to be a disciple. And I think what is so convicting about this book is he writes with such hope. He writes about the potential that you and I have, even as we are failures and we're broken and there's things that we're going to step out on and try to fix that are going to be hard for us to do. John says, just keep having the perspective of hope. I know for me that's hard. It's hard sometimes to really deeply believe in the good potential that John writes that I have. It's so easy for me to think about the things that I'm afraid of in my life currently right now or the things that I've been afraid of in the past that are very small perhaps, but they can grow in my mind of these huge monsters. And I'm really good at playing into those fears and letting those grow. But I'm not always so good in thinking about my potential my goodness, and the love that I can show the world that John would say, imagine like that growing in you. Imagine what that might look like. What is it that you're afraid of? It's a fear that you have when you think about it, it makes you afraid. For me, one of those things is snakes. And when I was in 
Abilene, Texas. I don't know why I went to this, but there was a town about an hour away called Sweetwater, Texas, or as the locals call it, Sweetwater. And we went, I don't know why I went to this because I don't like snakes. We went to a thing called the Sweetwater Rattlesnake Roundup. And this town, they say, is small enough that if they didn't do the Sweetwater Rattlesnake Roundup every year, the rattlesnakes would overrun the town. I don't know if that's true or not. But every year at the Sweetwater Rattlesnake Roundup, I looked on the website, 4,000 pounds of rattlesnake are rounded up. And so I, I was there. It has all those like fair type things where uh, you got to try fried rattlesnake not all that good. Uh, you got a chance to look at them taking the, the venom out of a rattlesnake. And probably the worst part was this pit that you could look down on where it was just rattlesnakes on top of rattlesnakes. And they were all hissing at each other. It was horrible. Like it was definitely like my nightmare is to fall into that pit and be surrounded by all those rattlesnakes. And when I think about well, like, maybe the most terrifying moment of my life, it was standing above that thing, just looking at all these angry rattlesnakes hissing at each other. It's so easy for me to think about what makes me afraid and to allow those things to grow bigger and bigger in my mind. And I think John asks us to center ourselves in the love of God and say, because of who Christ is, you all have great potential and you have the potential to let that goodness grow in you. So don't walk around in darkness anymore. So in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, John says this. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. I told you John is intense a little bit. The truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who claims to love their brother or sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. See, John is pretty intense. He basically says you're in or you're out. Do you have hatred in your heart towards somebody? Are you constantly bitter about something or, or somebody and you're constantly in that state of mind? You're walking around in darkness. Anyone who claims to be a part of the light and part of, of team light, and you're continuing to harbor that bitterness, you're walking around in darkness. It is or it isn't. You are either in the light and participating in it, or you are in the darkness. There's no in-between, John says. And he says, I'm not writing you a new command. Instead, I'm just going to want you to think about Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus did. This is the same Jesus who washed the feet of the disciples. Those disciples who were going to betray him and all desert him, yet Jesus 
sits with them and he does the most humbling thing, the thing you would expect a servant to do. Jesus doesn't expect that because of how he loves them, they're then going to respond in a certain way. This isn't a new command I'm giving you, but I want you to love like Jesus does. In fact, it goes even further back than that. There's the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Like, let that be the thing that centers you. Jewish believers say the Shema multiple times a day. And I think it would be good practice for all of us to find a verse that reminds us of the love of God and to just say it over and over and over again because we need help. We need to center ourselves on the love of Christ and just to ask, like, I, I can't just think this in my mind. I have to act on it. I have to let it get outside of me. I have to put it into practice. Or John says, you're just walking around in darkness. You're either in or you're out. You can't live in certain ways and continue to have the life of Christ in you. It should invade everything that you do. And you, if you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, you must push back the darkness. And that darkness is not just like out there in the world. You need to recognize that that darkness is right here as well. The line of good and evil isn't out there. It is in here. And we have great potential to do unbelievable good. We also have the potential to do harm as well. It reminds me of how Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, you are, are proud of yourselves because you haven't murdered somebody. Congratulations for that. That's great. But you need to recognize that any sort of anger that's in your heart, you need to get rid of. Or you might be proud of yourself that you haven't committed adultery. Congratulations. But I tell you that you need to rid yourself of lust. Jesus doesn't allow us to just define ourselves by the thing. He defines ourselves by the thing behind the thing. And he says there's junk in all of us and we need to recognize it and don't say, well, at least I'm like on this team because I, I don't do this or I don't do that. Jesus is saying you need to get to the heart and address that thing. Don't let that junk live inside you. And maybe it's not lust or anger, but don't let whatever junk that can be in your heart and in your life stay there. And I have to admit something to you. It's a bit risky for me to say it because maybe uh, it's something that you don't struggle with or don't think yourself. Some might be like, geez, Brian, that's really sick. I didn't know that you, that you thought that way. But as I think about what I used to do in the before time is I would go through a grocery store and I was checking out. I would look at those magazines that are there. And one of the magazines is saying, oh, this celebrity is having a struggle with addiction. And I can think in my head, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons why I think I look at those magazines is to think, well, at least I'm not doing that. And the next magazine is some affair that's broken up some celebrity couple. And if I'm honest, I'm going to, yeah, at least I'm not doing that either. The next magazine talks about a relationship a celebrity has with a bat, and they get real weird as you keep looking at them. But I think it's easy for us to look at our world, and we can look at this on the news, we can look at it in 
the grocery stores are walking by all these magazines and just say, well, at least I'm not that. Something happens in our world that is very clearly racist and we just say, well, at least I'm not that. Or something happens that is just so destructive that we can just push it to the side and say, well, at least I'm not that. And John tells us that it's not enough to just not be that, whatever it is. If you are following Christ, you must be actively resisting the darkness in your life and walking in the light always. That's what it is. It's not, well, at least I don't do this or at least I don't do that. It's no, 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 no. You have to be pushing against the darkness in your own heart and in your life and in the ways that sometimes we can just allow it in. I think of Galatians chapter five, when Paul says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lot on these, this list, and specifically when there are some other lists of sins in the New Testament, that it's easy, I think, for us to go, whoa, yeah, there's some crazy out there ones on there. Like, you know, I haven't participated in witchcraft or orgies this week. If you did that, okay, cool. But you're still welcome here if you did, because Paul then says, Now, you can think about those as like being perhaps like worse levels than other things. But what about factions, dissensions, envy, jealousy? That's the stuff that I think we can just allow to to sit in our hearts and cultivate and think, yeah, well, at least I'm not struggling with that one that's way out there. But Paul says this is all in the eyes of God, ways that we are broken and we contribute to brokenness in the world. You are supposed to be different. I am supposed to be different. We're supposed to be actively pushing back the darkness in our own heart and life. There's a sign that I've seen in my neighborhood that uh, as I've reflected on it, I think I disagree with. And the sign says, it's not that hard, be kind. And I disagree with that, not because I like, disagree with the, the idea of it. And if you have that sign in your yard, it's okay. Uh, you're still, still loved by God. But what I think that sign really should say is it's not that hard, be nice. It's not that hard to be nice and be a little bit gracious, you know, wave to your neighbor across the street or be extra kind uh, to somebody as you're driving around the freeway. You know, to just be a little bit nicer and to slow down a little bit, to not act like you're just the center of the world and everybody owes you something. So it's not that hard. Be nice. Because when you say it that way, it's not that hard. Be kind. I think you're wrong because it is hard to actually be kind. When you're kind, you stop thinking about things just from your own perspective. You slow down long enough, I would say, especially as you think about Christian kindness. And specifically on that sign, it's saying be kind. So it's a verb to be kind in the world requires you to slow down 
think about somebody else and actively do something to bless them. I'm not keeping score, but how many things did you do this week that you would honestly say, you know, that really rose to the level of kindness? I'm sure some of you have, and that's awesome. But for us to truly be kind in the world, it's about slowing down, thinking of somebody else, and actively doing something for them. So I would argue that sign should say, it is that hard, but be kind. It takes work, but be kind. It takes effort, but be a light in the world. Make a positive difference. Look at people that are around you. Be a neighbor. Reach out. Show the love of Christ to somebody. It raises the bar as we think about what John is telling us here, that you all have things that you need to work on, and you can't just let that darkness linger there. It takes actually acting on it and participating in the light, not off in the distance, but right now. So I'm going to address that darkness that is in my heart. I'm going to push back against it so I can participate in the light of God. It takes humility at times. It takes listening to people. It takes listening to your own heart and wondering, you know, why do I keep falling into this habit? Or why is it this behavior is something that I accept in my life? I love a blogger who says this this way, meanness makes you dumb. Not all people who are dumb stay mean, but all people who are mean stay dumb. Why does meanness make you dumb? Because to grow, mature, and develop, you must learn. But you cannot learn if you are mean. Because learning means accepting things from others, developing a sense not just of curiosity, but of gratitude, humility, courage, and celebration. Therefore, every instant that you're busy scorning and belittling others, you cannot learn, and so you are not growing. It's so easy for us to act like the issues are just out there or someone else's problem, and at times we need to say, no, I'm part of this, and I am on this journey as well. When we think of describing ourselves as followers of Christ, we often would use the term Christian, but the New Testament consistently uses the word disciple, which simply in the Greek translation means learner. Somebody who is at the feet of Jesus. Somebody who's saying, I don't have it all together in Jesus tomorrow and this very moment. I need you to teach me because I don't know how to do this on my own. So God, continue to grow inside of me, your spirit and your presence, so I could be more like you every day. I'm going to come to you in humility, and I'm going to participate in ways that help me to grow. The other thing about this that I think is so important is that this is written to a community. When we think about the New Testament, almost all of it are these letters that are written to churches who are trying to get this whole thing figured out. And there's a stat that says that almost 90% of the yous that are in the New Testament are actually y'all. When we read it as you in English, it's actually y'all. So our friends in Sweetwater help us out with that. It's y'all need to work on this. Y'all need to do this together. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, what really should be said there is, don't y'all know that y'all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in y'all? So in 1 John here, 
he says to this community, it's a community of people that are struggling with their faith and belief and wondering at times if Jesus is worth giving their life to. And he says in verse 7 there, beloved, it might be translated in your Bible, dear friends. He says, you all, this, this community, as you're thinking about what it means to follow Jesus with your life, commit yourselves more deeply to each other. Learn what love looks like. And at times, it's going to be hard. At times, you're going to find out things about other people that are hard for you to understand. At times, things of, of your own junk are going to come out. And that's why you need community and accountability and people who are watching out for you. What sort of community are you committed to that is helping you as y'all, as we all are on this journey together? Dear friends, I'm writing you so that you don't Walk around in darkness because you need each other to walk in the light. And I hope that as we get towards more normalcy at some point, hopefully in this year, as you think about some of the lessons that have been hard that we've learned during this last year, as we've struggled with new realities during the pandemic, I hope that as we walk into this new world that we will be creating, as you think about what it is that you're going to be adding in to your life, you'll say, I want to be committed to a place where I love people and we try to pursue God together. And we're going to fail at it and we're going to mess it up. But we need to once again, every single moment, get back on that path. I think before the pandemic was here, we would have said that, oh, I'm just, I'm just too busy. I just have too much going on. But really, there's an interesting article that was in the New York Times several years ago by a sociologist named Cristobal Young, and he had interviewed over a half million people about how they used their time and how they thought that they were overcommitted. And he says this, he says, coming up in just a second, there it is, our free time in order to be satisfying often must align with that of our friends and loved ones. We face a problem, in other words, of coordination. Work-life balance is not something that you can solve on your own. I think this is a really interesting point because as you think about your life and the busyness of it, you would have said, you know, I work 70 hours a week or you don't understand. It's just really hard for me. I have all these commitments and all this stuff that is going on. But Young says the issue is not that you are working too hard, though that might be a part of it. The issue is you need to have some sort of community that you're dedicated to that is in your free time, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. That's 8 p.m. for a group that you're participating in on a Wednesday or at 5 p.m. on a Sunday. What is it that you're saying? Like, I am going to participate in this because we all together are working on this and we need the community. We need community that will serve and seek God together because we all collectively need to push back the darkness it's easy for us all to live selfishly, to live with this stuff that's in our hearts. We need a community that will help us push back the darkness, not just out there, but in here as well. In his book, Tribes, Sebastian Younger, as he thinks about the world and the way it is today, he says this, that the most dangerous loss in, in our world right now, what we're facing is the loss to community. If the human race is under threat in some way that we don't understand, it will probably be at a community level that we either solve the problem 
or fail to. We need each other as we work this stuff out. We need to love not just as like an ideal and a nice thought. It's not easy to truly be kind, loving, and generous. It's not easy to think of others first. It's not easy to follow the way of Christ. And if you think it is, then you're probably not doing it right. And you haven't read the Gospels where the disciples who are right there all fall away. Over and over again, we need communities of people who can hold us accountable. And we need to think about the potential that we have in God. And to not look at the world and say, well, at least I'm not that. Or at least I'm not struggling with that one. It's not enough, John says, to just not do something. Y'all, dear friends, you must be actively pushing back the darkness. And it takes community. It takes accountability. It takes total dependence on Jesus and who Jesus is. So as we think about our lives and who we are called to be, may we be people, may it be said about us that we push back the darkness, that we don't just have nice thoughts or good ideas, but at some point it leads us all to action. That's who we're called to be. So dear friends, I'm telling you this because you all need to be reminded of this command that God has given us over and over again. And yes, you can start over a million times if you need to, but let that be your guiding principle. That you would love in such a way that it would make a difference in your world. I hope and pray that you continue to join us as we read 1 John. Again, it's very convicting. John says you're either in or you're out. And may we, as we begin this week, start over again on the path and center ourselves on the love of God.